from him who was and is and who is to come, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, dear Christian friends. I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Whether you've been called as a witness or even maybe never even been in a courtroom proceedings, you probably have heard that before, at least on like reruns of Law and Order or some other courtroom drama, right? But those words aren't just like made-for-TV kind of words. They're incredibly important to our justice system, to our court process. Because it's vitally important for whoever is, is telling, is, is testifying, to tell not just the truth, but, but the whole truth, not, not paint an inaccurate picture, but to be completely accurate, to be completely honest in everything that they say. And there's a reason for that, because if they don't, well, it could lead the judge, lead the jury to a decision to reach a, a conclusion and, and find a decision that wasn't actually supposed to happen, right? Somebody could be set free when they really were guilty and, and set free with no justice for the victims. Massive amounts of, of money could be awarded in a lawsuit when really none of it should have been. Maybe worst of all, the, someone could actually be found guilty and sentenced to, to jail, to prison, when it's for a crime they didn't actually even commit. The truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth is vitally important in our court process because, honestly, most of the time, someone's livelihood or even their lives are on the line. But what if something bigger was hanging in the balance? Something even bigger than, than not just a, a few months or even a few decades in prison, but, but facing prison forever? What if this was the, the difference, truth and nothing but the truth, was the difference between guilt and freedom? And not just being able to walk out of the courtroom, but, but being able to go through life free. Because we're not just talking about truth and nothing but the truth in court anymore. We're talking about truth and nothing but the truth when it comes to God and his word. It's why God wants us to listen to and share only what is the truth and nothing but the truth. Because souls are what is hanging in the balance. Your soul, my soul, the souls of our family and friends, people that we come into contact with, God wants us to be careful, to watch out, to avoid spiritual garbage and, and to only share the truth because Without the truth and nothing but the truth, consciences can be left burdened and weighed down by guilt. Lives can remain unchained and unchanged. And salvation, well, people can be uncertain about their salvation. God wants us to know him, to know what he's done for us clearly. And that's why he tells us in his word and that's why our first takeaway this morning is, is along those lines, that God wants me to know him and to know what he's done based on the truth of his word. 
That's why God warns us this morning through the prophet Jeremiah to, to watch out, to avoid spiritual garbage. Because as, as we read some of these words from Jeremiah, he, he was one of God's messengers, one of God's preachers 2,500 plus years ago, which in like our modern day American brains is forever. That's so crazy long ago. But listen, as we hear some of these words, because man, the context sounds frighteningly similar to today. See, God's people had, had wandered away from him, and, and some of them had been directly led away from him. And God chose Jeremiah to be one of his messengers sent out with his message to bring his people back to him, to tell them the truth about God and the truth of God's word. But it was a challenge. It was an uphill battle because there were a lot of people who were, were really wrapped up in sin. And worse, there were some other messengers who said, yeah, we're from God, and you don't need to listen to that Jeremiah guy. You don't need to worry about changing your life. You just keep doing you. It's okay. God's all right with it. See, that's what actually was happening, and Jeremiah tells us that. These are the verses that, that lead right up until our text this morning from Jeremiah 23, beginning at verse 16. It's not in your worship folder. This is just for context. Listen what God says. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you'll have peace. And all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or to hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? I did not send these prophets, yet they've run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned, from the, the, turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. See, these prophets, so-called prophets, were going around telling people, God doesn't care. It's okay. You do what you want to do. It's not a big deal. God loves you anyway. God said, um, no, that's not the message. That's not the message I'm sending. He wanted people to know clearly what he said and why he said it, what he meant, that he was serious about his word. He's serious about our sin and he's serious about our forgiveness. But there's a real danger with this kind of, of talk, with this kind of, of false message claiming to be from God. And it, it's our second takeaway this morning, that spiritual garbage distorts God's word. It, it makes, you're never sure exactly what God is saying. And even worse, it undermines my faith. See, not only does God, does spiritual garbage add to change what God says, the result for you and for me is spiritual danger. It, it undermines our faith. Do you know what the word undermine means? I mean, literally, it means to mine under. English lesson for the day. It's, it's not difficult, is it, right? It means to dig underneath something. And, and we know what happens, right? It, it results in 
collapse of that foundation. When, when this happens to your home, when this happens to a road, you know what we call it? A sinkhole. Because all of a sudden, whoom, the bottom just falls out and it's just collapsed. It's gone. Imagine what that means then for your faith. To have this distorted and false misrepresentation of what God says cutting away underneath the foundation of your faith. And someday, it all comes crashing down. See, that's why God is clear. He is not okay with this false misrepresentation of his word being out there. But look what he says he wants with it. Look what he says, beginning in verse 23. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? See these false prophets, they were saying, yeah, God's up in heaven. He's like so far away, right? He's light years away. He doesn't know what's going on, and he probably doesn't even care. Just go about your business. And God says, whoa, so not the case. You might fool yourself, and you might fool other people, but you will never fool God. You will never pull something over his, over his eyes and go, oh, God didn't even know that, huh? God says, I'm, I'm everywhere. I know everything. And he's, he knows when someone comes and says, this is what God says, but it's not what God actually said. God is very clear. He knows and he cares. And that's why he continues with verse 25. I've heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name, just as their ancestors forgot my name through Baal worship. Can you imagine how infuriating that must have been for God? To have somebody coming and, and saying the exact opposite of what God would say, but saying, this is what God says. Let me, let me put it in a way that, that makes, maybe hits home. Imagine if I took your kids after worship today and I, I pulled them aside in the hallway and I said, hey, it's okay to smoke pot and it's okay to drink and you don't ever have to listen to your parents again. And you know who told me that? your mom and dad. You don't need to have kids to realize, wait a minute, you just seriously undermined my authority and my relationship with my kids because not only did you tell them something that is not okay, but you told them it comes from me. That's a problem, isn't it? Did you notice why these false prophets were doing this? God said it, didn't he? He said, it, the goal is that they will make my people forget my name. Again, think in terms of, of that example I just gave. What would happen if I did that? If I told your kids, it's okay to drink and smoke pot and you don't ever have to listen to your parents again. And then you go to them and what are you going to do? Well, 
the only thing that is going to make them happy to appease them is to tell them, oh yeah, it's okay, that's what pastor said. That's what I meant. But that's not okay. Absolutely not. And so what do you do? Well, you tell them, no, that's not okay. No, you can't do that. Yes, you have to listen to me. What's the problem? Well, not only are they going to be unhappy, but even though they know deep down that what I told them didn't really come from you, they now have an excuse to not trust you. Because it sure sounds like you said one thing and now you're saying another. And even though I'm not really sure what you told that to pastor, well, I've got an excuse. That's all a sinful heart needs, isn't it? To have an excuse. And that's exactly the problem that God is warning about. That these so-called prophets were going in God's name and what they were doing is undermining God's credibility. They were telling people, you don't, you don't need to worry about what God says. Just do this instead. Just care about yourself. Just you do you. And eventually that leads to an attitude that has no respect and no regard for God and no respect and no regard for his word and leads people's hearts turning away from the Lord and from his word. Happened then, still happens today. Who do you know that doesn't want to have anything to do with Christianity? And they were a Christian. Who do you know that won't enter a church? Because, well, they went to that one and they said this, and they went to that one and they said this, and they went to that one and they said this, and, and you claim you have the truth. Boy, that sure sounds contradictory and maybe even hypocritical. There may not be people coming in the name of Baal, but there are plenty of people who come claiming they are from Jesus, but whose message is alternatives to Jesus. There are plenty of people who come claiming that they're from God, that they have his word, that they come from Jesus, but but God doesn't really care. Like, this part of the Bible doesn't matter. And that's not really what God meant. And that's not really even what he said. And you just live however you want and God's okay with it. There are people who come claiming they're from Jesus and say, God just wants you to be happy for the moment, right? Live your best life now. Oh, all that later on stuff, all the stuff you've done wrong, just ignore it. Just be happy, right? Have good relationships. Make a pile of money, do whatever you want to do right now. That's, that's what God wants. And they have no use for God's word that, that exposes our failings. They have no use for God's word that tells us what he's done to take away our failings. Because they've created an entirely different narrative, an entirely different gospel. Which, as we heard before, is no gospel at all. There is no good news there. So what does God want us to do when we hear these so-called prophets, these false prophets, as Jesus called them, coming in his name? What does he want us to do? Shout them down? Run a smear campaign? Ruin their reputation? Maybe get a little, little vengeance? Oh, take a look at what God says in verse 28. Let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream. But let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord? 
Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock to pieces? God tells us, you don't need to shout down the fool who's got, who claims to be coming from God but is, is speaking a message differently. You don't need to shout him down. You don't need to, to get a pound of flesh for God. He'll, he'll deal with that. What you do need to do, though, is speak up and speak his word faithfully. And let it be known, that's not what God says. God wants you and me to understand what he's saying. And, and the illustration he uses, the picture, right, is, is straw and grain. I mean, really what he's saying is, what does garbage have to do with food? Because that's really the picture, right? Grain is food. It's good for you. But straw, it's useless. It's cut off. It's, it's thrown out and burned up. That's why God wants us to be clear on what he wants us to do. It, it seems a little crazy that he doesn't want us to like stand up and, and defend him and to, to ruin those who are speaking against him. He just wants us to stand up and say, this is what God says, and there's a reason. Because God has power, and his word has power. All of the man-made philosophies and religions and dreams and everything else, when you speak God's word and it stands up next to those it becomes very clear very quickly which one is powerful and which one just sounds kind of good for the moment. Think of how often Jesus would teach and the leaders would go, whoa, there's something different about this because it, it has power, it has authority, it's God's word. And that's why God wants us to be clear, our, our third takeaway, that when we're faced with spiritual garbage, God wants me to simply speak his powerful word truthfully. To emphasize that point, God uses two pictures, doesn't he? He uses a fire and he uses a hammer. And both of those in our, our world probably have kind of negative connotations, right? They're used to destroy. Um, they're used to tear down. But both of them are actually used also to create. So let's, let's talk about the hammer, first of all. In the Bible, God several times talks about our hearts, the hearts of every living human being. Everybody born into this world, we're born with a heart of stone. A heart of stone, especially when it comes to, to God. Do you ever wonder why people can be so calloused about other people? Well, that's why. Because we're all born into this world with a heart of stone. And if you think they're callous towards other people, well, imagine a heart of stone towards God. It, it cannot, it does not love God at all. And, and all of the human philosophies and religions don't even scratch that stone at all. They don't chip away at it. Nothing happens. But God's word has power. It's like a hammer that smashes through that heart of stone. It breaks it open with God's word as he exposes our failings, as he helps us see, whoa, I see myself for who I really am. But here's the beautiful part. God doesn't just smash our heart of stone. In its place, he puts a living, beating, spiritual soul, a soul that knows and loves him, a heart of faith. 
that isn't just broken by what we've done, but is made whole because of who God is and what he's done. It's a heart that knows God loves me. A heart that knows how much he loves me, that he would die for me. That he would take all of my mess and all of my baggage and all of my hurts and all of my hang-ups and he would stretch out his arms and be abandoned by God so that I never would be. That is an amazing love of God that, that shatters that heart of stone and in its place gives us a, a, a heart that knows the message of forgiveness. Let me give you an example of that. There's a guy from the Bible, he wrote half of the New Testament, his name is Paul. We've talked about him before, maybe you remember that Paul hated, hated with a capital H, the message that Jesus died for the sins of all people. He hated it. He thought you had to do it. You had to do these right things. And he hated it so much that he made it his life's mission to find anybody who taught about Jesus and throw him into prison. But not even just who taught about Jesus. He hunted down anybody who believed in Jesus as their Savior and arrested them and put them away. He hated the message of Jesus. Right up until that trip that he was going on to Damascus to arrest Christians when Jesus spoke to him. And the powerful word of God smashed that heart of stone that hated him. It smashed and broke through that heart of self-righteousness. And in its place was a heart, God placed a heart of faith that trusted that Jesus is my Savior. But Paul isn't the only example. As I look around, I see a room full of them. A room full of people who were born with a heart of stone that through baptism God smashed to pieces as his powerful word was connected to that water and, and crushed it and made you God's child and gave you a heart that knows and loves what he has done and who he is. A heart that knows I'm forgiven. That hammer is powerful. But so is the fire. Usually, and maybe especially around here with if you have a long enough memory, there's, there's some pretty significant destruction from fire, right? Fire is probably viewed as a, a bad thing. But fire can also serve a good purpose to purify. And that's what the Word of God does in our hearts. It purifies our hearts from all of the impurities in our hearts, in our lives, all of the impurities that we, that we try to hide from other people, that we even think we try to hide from God, God's word is like a fire that burns, not just at the impurities, but burns through our sinful pride, that burns through our self-righteousness and exposes them and lays them bare. It's why the Bible says, right, David said in Psalm 51, create in me a pure heart, O God. We want God's word to purify this sinful heart that lives in us, that, to purify all the impurities from our life, so that we would see what God has done for us, so we would understand and, and treasure and know that God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, so that we would see and know and love God 
and what he's done for me, that, that our hearts would be set on fire to live for him and to serve him. Think of those uh, first disciples on that first Easter morning as they were walking to Emmaus. And suddenly there's this guy walking with them and talking with them, and, and they didn't realize it was Jesus. Until finally they did, and then Jesus left them. And do you, do you remember what their words were? Take a look. Weren't our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The word of God had kindled in their hearts a fire, a fire of love and life from God and for God. Because God's word is powerful. God's word has power to to right now, as you listen to his word, as you study his word, as you share his word, break hearts of stone, burn out impurities that live within, and light this fire of love for God and life for God. It's a beautiful and a powerful thing. And God wants us to understand that, to treasure it. And so in doing so, that we avoid the spiritual garbage because it's out there. You, you know it. I know it. And God says, watch out for it. Because you're going to hear it. You're going to see it. People are going to share it. And so there, the fourth takeaway is what God wants us to do. So that I can avoid spiritual garbage, God wants me to study his word carefully and thoroughly. Not just to know a tiny little piece of it, but to know what he says. To not go, oh, I've heard all that before. I'm done. Put the Bible away. I don't need to go to church anymore. But to keep digging in, to keep drinking deeply from the living waters of God's word so that when spiritual garbage is, somebody tries to feed us spiritual garbage, we go, no thanks. I know what the real thing is. I want the good spiritual food from God that nourishes my soul and lights a fire in my heart to love and live my God. So avoid spiritual garbage, but don't just avoid the bad. Get into the good. Amen.